I was upset. I didn't think I had what it takes. It took a while to admit anything was wrong. Diet and exercise sounded intimidating. But small, easy goals made it easy to start. Every situation is different. There are many paths to victory, but the end goal is all the same. This is the Weight Loss Podcast with Matt and Courtney, a couple who committed to a strategy and lost a combined 100 kilograms. When it comes to weight loss, you don't just need encouragement, you need a strategy. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Weight Loss Podcast. My name is Courtney and next to me as always is Matt. Hello there. Hello. How are you going? Good, thanks. Excellent. (laughs) And this week we are going to be touching on the six secrets of a successful transformation, which I'm really excited about, actually. Yeah, same here. This this is very meaningful for both Courtney and I. Uh, six points that we can both relate to, both personally with our own transformations to this point. We can also relate to it as the professionals guiding, uh, guiding our clients through this. And, I mean, it's easy for all of us to be focused on things like the scales. Yes. Why am I why am I not losing 20 kilos in 7 days like uh, the magazine says that I could? Why is this not working? Uh, it's easy to overlook uh, the small or hidden little invisible blocks, stumbling blocks that come up that can really, you know, derail progress. So this this topic has come up because uh, Dr. Paul Cribb, who is the coach of both Courtney and myself professionally, wrote this fantastic article, funnily enough, called Six Secrets of a Successful Transformation that we've uh, we've implemented with our own clients over the years. So we're going to be uh, referring to this article, which you'll have available to you on the show notes page for this episode at theweightlosspodcast.com. Uh, recommend reading it, but we're going to be giving our own personal sort of take, hot take, hot take, hot take on the topic. So, without further ado, let's get stuck into it. The first of six secrets of a successful transformation, Courtney, is what? <laughs> Number one, make the decision to change. So, what does that mean? Make the decision to change. Well, I think basically we're talking about your reason why you're doing it, mm-hmm. why you why you're going to make that change, and I think we've touched on this topic in previous podcasts a bit, but a bit often. But that's that's really, I think Matt, you'll agree that's really how important this topic is. That what, what's we the topic? just keep coming back up again, which mm-hmm. is finding the reason why you've decided to make the, the change. What's, what's the reasoning behind the decision? Yeah, there's, there's a real difference, isn't there, between saying, okay, I'm going to go and join the gym or I'm going to go and lose weight. There's a difference between that and actually having a powerful, personal, emotional, deep-seated reason why you are doing it, even when you're not motivated to do it. Exactly. So there, ha- there does have to be a... A very, very powerful reason to change. And very often, in fact, actually, let's be honest, 99 times out of 100, that reason to change will come off of a snap point. Yeah, absolutely. So what what the hell is a snap point? 
Great question, Matt. Well, I know I have I've had multiple snap points in my life. I've had one in particular that is clear in my head like it happened 30 seconds ago before we started recording the episode. Uh, I know Courtney has had a snap point of her own, which she'll be getting into over this point. But anyway, what I'm getting at here is a snap point, 99 times out of 100, is essential. So you're thinking about what the hell's a snap point? Well, it's one of those moments in your life where something just goes off. Either you have a meltdown, a moment of realization, and an epiphany. Hmm. Yeah, I'm bringing it Word today. I'm bringing it. <laughs> I'm bringing it. I brought my A game. Big words. <laughs> so uh, you know, an epiphany, a moment of realization, where you just decide, "Fuck it, that's it, enough." Yeah. This this way of doing things, this way of being, is not going to fly for one second longer. Yeah. Now, I think, Courtney, what you and I should do here is share both our own personal snap points. So uh, for yourself listening, we want you really just to see if you can relate in a way to what we're talking about and ask yourself the question, have I had my own version of this? Because if you haven't, chances are that could be where maybe you're struggling. You haven't quite found that powerful reason yet. Yeah, and I think sometimes as well, a lot of snap points get overlooked and get passed off. Well, I know, Courtney, you overlooked yours. Yeah, definitely. For I mean, quite a while. I, for myself, I didn't think that I really had a snap point when I first started. I mean, I was definitely sick of being overweight. I was definitely sick of the way I looked and, and really unhappy with the way I looked. I wanted to start dating and just didn't feel comfortable putting myself out there, going out with friends, uh Get, you know, getting dressed up and, and going out potentially on a date, it just was not something I wanted to do. Yep. I was unhappy with that, but looking back on it, I couldn't say for certain whether that was really a snap point. It really just didn't seem strong enough at the time for it to be considered a snap point. Well, I think, I think Courtney, your snap point happened down the track. I agree. So looking back, that was definitely a good, obviously a strong enough reason why for me to start losing weight and getting healthy because I did start. Yeah, you did. And then I did tend to sort of plateau and sort of flatten off a bit. I put on a few kilos again and I really was really unhappy with myself. And it wasn't it wasn't too long after, Matt, I think you backed me up on this, that you we started the gym. I think it might have been a year into the less, gym being le- open. Less than. Less than a year. And I was driving with Matt in the car one day, I can't remember where we were going, but it was a couple of hours away. So we had plenty of time in the car to be chatting. And I just got really upset all of a sudden. And through Matt probing me about what was wrong, I sort of just came out with the fact that I was really unhappy with myself. I'd known that I had put on a few kilos that I'd previously lost. I was supposed to be helping him in the gym. I was supposed to be this role model to clients in coming into our gym and I felt like a failure to them. I felt like I wasn't being that role model. I felt like I wasn't being true to myself because I wasn't happy with the way that I looked and I really wanted to make a change. And that, I think, looking back was my real snap moment. And from that point is when I decided or when Matt and I decided that 
going forward, the best thing for me to do would be to set myself a new challenge, which is when I set myself the challenge of my bikini photo shoot. Yep. And then what happened? And then things started to turn around. I was really motivated to get going. Obviously, I had a a bit of a deadline because I had set myself this photo shoot date. I'd given myself a really good amount of time. I was really comfortable with the amount of time that I gave myself. It was a, it was enough time where it was a stretch for me, but it wasn't too, it wasn't too short where I didn't feel like I was going to get results in the time. It wasn't unreasonable. It wasn't unreasonable Mm. amount of time. So I set myself that I announced it to everybody. I set myself up a uh, separate Facebook page and, um, documented my progress and it was fantastic I really felt a real uh, sense of determination a real renewed sense of determination to hit a new goal yeah for me it was a, a little bit different to Courtney's uh, I had already actually in a way similar to Courtney I'd made the decision to do something uh, a few years prior it's just that, that something I decided to do wasn't Let's just call it a, a half effort. So what does a half effort tend to give you? Half result. At best. Mm. Not much. So my snap point came after four years of treading water. Part of that treading water involved doing what I thought was the right thing because this is what the weight loss industry likes to tell us. Just do more exercise, buddy. <laughs> just do more. More. And what do you do when you can do more? Do more again. <laughs> yeah. So I originally, when I first joined a gym, I was like a lot of people, I was donating to the gym charity and just pumping up their membership uh, fees every week and not actually going. When I would go, the effort would be very half-hearted. And then I decided, well, you know what? I've got to step this up and focused entirely on doing more exercise. So I built myself up to the stage where I was exercising three hours a day, six days a week, nonstop, which is a pretty, looking back at it now, I've no idea how I even got through that because that's a hell of a grind. Uh, But I thought it was the thing that I had to do and I wore it like a badge of honor. So I was that guy exercising three hours a day, six days a week, but I was still fat Mm. and nothing changed. So after going through or treading water like this for four years, it was four years I started to deteriorate mentally uh, and just become more and more hard on myself, uh, less forgiving for mistakes, for just basically being human, being being very, very negative on this. Um, and then I just had a, had a snap one day where I was thought about killing myself. And it's like the light switch went off in my head. So the light switch goes off in my head. And and this is where we say that when it comes to a snap point, unless you've gone through it, you don't understand what it is. Mm. And I understand it, I think, better than a lot of people. Just in that, in that moment, it's like the switch got flicked on and I went from the way I used to be to the way I am now. Where I had that thought in my head of, fuck it, I'm going to do whatever it takes to fix this or I will die trying. Yeah. And that snap point has been built upon for, through my the rest of my life to this point to to really power me to achieve things that I never thought was possible. So point number 1, the first secret of a successful transformation 
really find your why Mm -hmm. and make sure it's a powerful emotional reason for it definitely absolutely number two would you like to read out number two matt all right point number two focus on your future vision yes so what do we mean by focusing on your future vision well whenever courtney and i meet with someone the first question we tend to ask them is, okay, what would you like to achieve? What's your goal? Mm. Why are you doing this? Now, when it comes to focusing on your future vision, your goals need to be very clear, very tangible, and very specific. So I'm going to be very blunt about this. If I ask someone what is their goal and they say to me, oh, well, you know, I wouldn't mind getting a bit more healthy and I wouldn't mind getting fit and a bit more toned up. Eh. Wrong answer. Not specific. Not powerful. Mm. At all. No offense. Sorry, not sorry. But, you know, that's just the way it is. So whenever someone answers a question like that, I immediately, and Courtney, I know you're the same, we start to probe. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We start to get a little bit deeper because we know that the answer we just got is a surface level answer. Yeah. What's below the surface is more like the real thing. Absolutely. And I think that answer generally as well comes because that's what the client thinks that we want to hear. But but I think this, this point is fantastically, this article is fantastically written where this point is number two because I think it really follows on from point number one because we all know that the process of changing our body shape is really difficult. Well, yeah. Because most of us have tried in the past and failed. Yep. And some of us have now got to where we want to be. Some of us are still working on where we want to be. So you listening, you might be in one of those two categories. But at the end of the day, we all know that it's really hard process to achieve the body that we want. So to be able to have that really strong why in the first place really leads in to being able to then set your really strong goals to be able to then get push you through those real difficult times. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is where a lot of people, as they get older, they get scared to dream about what they actually want to be, what they want to look like, what they want to do. Uh, often, often that fear will come from, well, they don't think they'll do it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Good old fear of failure. Yep. Uh, the easiest uh, example that, that I can give or that both Courtney and I can give here is another another sort of approach that, that people will bring with us when we ask them what their goals are, and this really applies to females, is when we'll generally ask a female, you know, what sort of a, what's your clothing goal? What would you like to wear? Hmm. Because we don't care about how much someone weighs. That's not the problem. No. Nor is it the solution. So what would you like to wear? Often a female will say something like, oh, you know, I wouldn't mind being a size 14. Yeah, I'd be okay with a 16. The actual answer that they're not telling us is more like a size 12. Yes. They just don't think they can do it. But the dream is that number they're not saying. The number they're saying in this case, the clothing size is the good enough. Yeah. But the dream is different. Absolutely. So I think the main the main point behind number two is focus on the future, 
by really setting specific goals for yourself and not only end goals, it's really helpful to set goals uh, to be assessed along the way as well. If you're always, you always really want to focus on your end goal, but you you definitely want to set yourself, I think, progression goals to help get you there oh, as absolutely. well. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. It keeps your eye on the prize, as they say, at the end. Uh, and I think the other point here, which is really well made, is that uh, if you're wanting to find a, a goal, I think that looking for inspiration is also really good. We often have clients that not only come to us by saying, I want to fit into X size, mm. but people also come to us saying, I really like this particular person who's maybe a model, maybe an actress, maybe an athlete, I really like her shape or I really like his shape, I want to look like this. I can relate to that. I can relate to this. Yep. So this is where also I know I've always preach being very, very, very careful with social media in terms of comparing yourself to others unrealistically on social media. This is one of the few times where social media can work in your benefit, where you can actually, if you're going into social media with the right frame of mind, you can actually get inspired by a lot of people on social media as well. So just keep that in mind when setting your goals. Yeah, and with those goals, the final point I want to make here is make sure that they are congruent with what you are actually dreaming about. So if your goals are lined up with the idea of getting fit and getting toned and getting healthy, i got some news for you, that shit's not going to work. So the stuff deep down that you find most painful, that keeps you up at night, that's the stuff you want to align your goals up with. Cool? Absolutely. All right. Let's now move on to point number three, which is all food choices are emotional. Now, when it comes to eating food, there are two facts. Fact number one, we as human beings happen to need food to live. I'm sorry, you can't cleanse or detox your way through life. Not for long. No. The second fact about food is that food choices are emotional. We are emotional eaters. I'm an emotional eater. Courtney is. You are. Our friends are. Our family are. That's, that's just the second fact of eating. All food choices are emotional. This is something that Courtney can speak to even more than the average person uh, with, with her own experience. So I think, Courtney, yeah, take I it think, away. I think the main thing that I've learned over time being a massive emotional leader is before I met Matt and before I decided to actually focus on my uh, my health and focus on my body shape, I would eat purely based on emotion, but it was it had no boundaries to it. It was it was just what I felt like I ate. And there was absolutely no limitations or boundaries to that sense of feeling. So I think what I have learned through this process is that there has to be some limitations and boundaries set because as Matt said, we're all emotional people. We're always going to be emotional people and we are often going to make choices, especially based around food, when we're in emotional states. So in in order to make life easier, rather than trying to stop being emotional, which is very difficult. Good luck with that. Yes. Rather than take that difficult road, 
to take the the road of looking at the habits. So I looked at what we would consider staple foods and what we would consider treat foods. Okay, what do you mean by that? So staple foods meaning what what I would eat on a daily basis and bonus foods would be well, or treat foods would be just as it, as it describes. It's a treat food. It's a food that is obviously not going to necessarily help me to get to where I want to be goal, goal body-wise. That would be considered in the treat or bonus food section. In the staple food section are going to be foods that I need to eat daily to help me get to the body that I want to get to. Having that clearly defined definition of what are staple foods and what are treat or bonus foods then helps me make those decisions when I'm in that emotional state. So it's it's a clearly defined limitation that I've set on myself where instead of just eating for the sake of eating, eating for whatever mood I'm in, I now have limitations that have become habits and now I, I rarely think about it. It just happens because I've set those limitations and then those limitations have become habits for me. Even when I'm in those emo, emo, emotional states, it's, it's, I'm finding it easier and easier to make the right choices because I have those set, if that makes sense. It does, does that make, make sense. sense. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. What Even for me... Um, as I said before, I'm an emotional leader, just like the rest of the rest of us. Really, mm. we're all emotional leaders. I'm no different. For me, what has helped a lot is just basically changing the way I associate my emotions with food. So, rather than being negative on myself about having, as Courtney said, bonus foods, I am very uh, much about positive reinforcement and. You know, giving myself a mental high five every time I have a meal that I know is going to help me get where I want to get to. Yeah. So reprogramming, and it does take some time. Oh, take. I mean, I'm four years into it. Well, reprogramming the association with food helps an awful lot. So mm. for me, as Courtney said before, with the staples, every time I have a staple meal, I feel great mentally and obviously physically because it's good food. Um, and I feel a sense of achievement every time that occurs. Now, as Courtney just alluded to, that can take time. Uh, for me, it's taken quite a long time because I used to be, I used to associate, for me, or emotionally, I would turn to junk food and alcohol mm. a lot. Where, as Courtney has said and does herself, I also will put certain foods into the bonus category. And stick within those boundaries, but I'm really, really, really big on positive association with eating food that's congruent with what your goals are. Definitely, and and I mean Matt and I still have treats and bonus foods. Of course we do. It's still part of our routine. It's still part of our weekly habit, and that for for personally for me, I know there's a lot of. There's a lot of noise out there in this industry about whether they're they're good to have or you shouldn't. You should just stick to something 100%, blah, 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 blah. That's called a diet, Courtney. That is called a diet. And personally, Matt and I don't like diets for the very reason because they, they don't, don't work. work. But <laughs> I think that it's very important to be able to then not only just identify what your bonus foods are, but Matt and I actually plan out once a week we have 
a date night yeah. where we will have whatever we want for dinner. So we'll either go out for dinner or we'll cook at home and we might have burgers, we might have pizza, we might have a little bit of ice cream after dinner. It, we might decide to go out with friends instead and, and have whatever. And that's really important. And I know especially it is for me being uh, a massive emotional eater, it does give me that that reinforcement where I don't feel like I am on a diet. It gives me something to look forward to where I know that I've got something something there. Cool. Yeah. All right. Courtney, what's the next one? Next one, number four. Don't let your mind sabotage your success. Yeah, which often it does. Uh, so what you're going to find with, with this point basically is that it's very, very easy for people just to look at the, the physical aspects of how weight loss transformation works, etc. A lot of people won't look at the psychological aspects of it and even the physiological aspects. So what am I talking about here? Well, let's say you're someone who has been eating junk food and leading a sedentary lifestyle for, I don't know, the last 25 years. Okay, that's a long time. And now you are mm, two maybe three weeks into your new healthy lifestyle. You started going to the gym. You started making you know, what you know to be more healthy food choices. But ugh, three weeks into it, I feel tired. I feel lethargic. I've got headaches. I feel a bit bloated. Oh, this healthy eating's bullshit. This isn't working. I'm going to go back to what I used to do. I've got some news for you. That's normal. That's part of the process. Because your body, after years and years and years of having this energy-laden, carb-heavy, processed diets, your body and your mind get accustomed to focusing and operating under that type of fuel. Then what you're doing now is, you're now saying to your body, I want you to use this different source as fuel. So you go through what's called a fuel shift, where your body starts to change and want to use different types of food as fuel. This is where symptoms like that can come up. Those symptoms can be avoided, and I'm going to get Courtney shortly to give her own personal, recent personal experience with this. But these symptoms, while they can be avoided, me from a professional standpoint as a trainer, when my clients show these symptoms, I'm actually happy to see them because it means they're putting in the effort and we can now improve a couple of things to remove these symptoms. Yeah, and I think the the experience that, Matt, you're referring to for myself is recently I went through a bit of a fuel shift where I was experiencing the uh, fatigue and the headaches and just wasn't feeling very good didn't feel like I was getting through my workouts very well and I couldn't put my finger on why you know I was eating good food I I was drinking plenty of uh, water uh, I just couldn't understand why I was feeling bloated and I was getting headaches and um, as I said feeling tired and not able to get through my workouts very well and then Matt brought it to my attention that I was going through this style of fuel shift and 
it's okay if you've gone through this and haven't realized because I know what a fuel shift is and even I didn't realize that I was going through it when I was going through it. But I think it's a really important one to keep in mind because if you're doing all the right things and you're still getting these sort of symptoms, it's often easy to think, oh, what's going on it's here? It's not working. It's not working. But if you're doing all the right things and this is happening, this is why. So obviously if you're not doing the right things, then there's a whole other reason why this is happening. So for myself, I'd let my uh, variety of food start to diminish. Mm. I was not eating as much variety as I should have been. I was eating more red meat than I really should have been for my my stomach just tends to prefer white meat, more easily digested meat. But I was letting more and more red meat come into my everyday staple foods. I was letting less and less variety of vegetables, less and less color come into my staple foods. So I was really limiting myself. And again, it really happened over time unconsciously until I really wasn't changing. I wasn't gaining any momentum with my workouts, with my body shape. Then obviously was able to step back, have a look, realize what I was doing wrong in terms of my food, make those changes. And then that's when these symptoms really kicked in for me. Yeah. So what helped Courtney uh, push through those symptoms, and this is what will help you if you're suffering these symptoms yourself, is just have more of that good food. Yeah. Have more of it. Um, so Courtney continued to increase the color in her bowl. So more colorful assortments of, you know, salads and vegetables and, uh, come out the other side feeling pretty good. Yeah. And if I do say so myself, looking pretty good. Oh, thank you. No worries. (laughs) Are you you like available? (laughs) So let's, um, moving on, let's move on to, um, number five, beware the metabolic slowdown. Yeah, this plays this plays quite well um, off what I just said in terms of overcoming the symptoms of a fuel shift. You eat more food. You look at what this fucking industry of ours likes to likes to tell us: uh, exercise more and eat less. The thing is, when it comes down to it, most people, actually, just about everyone that starts their journey, really is a little bit deluded about just how deep of a hole they've dug for themselves in more ways than one. So most people really just don't have an idea of just how messed up their insides, their metabolisms are when they're starting. So the average approach for for most people is to basically increase their energy expenditure through more and more exercise while dramatically dropping their energy intake in terms of eating less and less and less food. The problem is that's when you get sick, that's when you get sore, you can be opened up to injuries, and obviously, worst of all, nothing changes. Mm. Now, chances are you listening to this can relate to this because I know I can. I know Courtney can. Yep. I think pretty much anyone that's been to a gym can relate to something like this, to going to going as hard as they think they can and not eating that much food and not going that far with it. The truth of the matter when it comes to a successful transformation is this. As you get more experience in the gym, 
as you move more, as you train harder, as you get stronger, your body actually needs more food. It needs more food to keep ramping up the metabolism. Think of your metabolism like a fireplace. And every time you throw food in there, that fire gets bigger, stronger, and hotter. As that happens, your body's going to change more. Where a lot of people get this wrong is they don't consume enough food to match their physical output. Mm. Courtney, can you relate to this? Oh, absolutely. And I think, I don't know how much I have to add on this topic because I think you've absolutely just hit the nail on the head there. Ooh. And yeah, I I think it was a massive eye-opener for me when I first started as well to learn this, that there can be too big of a gap between... Intake and intake and, and what and what you're burning off. Mm. So obviously, you know, everyone thinks that there should always be a difference between what you're putting into your body and what you're putting, what you're exerting. Well, there should be. There should be, yes. But I I wasn't aware until I um, started doing this and I started learning from you, Matt, that there can also be too big of a gap. So yeah. you do want a gap, but. If there's too big of a gap, that can just work just as much against you as if there's no gap. It slows the metabolism yeah. down. Um, and this is the funny thing. Like when I was younger, I had the impression that most people that are unhealthy or overweight uh, are overeaters. Mm. Now that I'm a, a you know a professional doing it for a living, what actually scares me is that people I deal with are undereaters. Mm. That they embark on these epic nine, 10 day a week training schedules, eating once or twice a day, then wondering why they feel like shit day after day, why they're tired all the time. Mm. Mate, you're doing too much. So that's where, as Courtney said before, the gap is too big. So we want to have the gap between what's going out and what's coming in continue to be relatively small. Now, looking at, um, you know, how do we avoid this? Mm. Well... Keep in mind that if you haven't, if the results that you've been getting aren't quite what you've been hoping for, that's fine. It just means that you're still working on it. So the correct metabolism is yet to be created and sustained. And that's a key word there, isn't it? Sustained over a long-term period of time. And I think another point to make here as well in terms of you know avoiding this slowdown and I, I know how much this is going to annoy you because this word annoys Courtney. You have to be patient. Boo. Boo, patience. Get it out of here. <laughs> Sorry. If you, and I learned this myself, if you spent most of your life basically abusing your body through, yeah. through food and a lack of exercise, I've got some news for you. That 14-day detox, that 28-day shred, that 12-week transformation program no that's not going to be enough no you're going to need more a lot more deep down i do think most people know this just don't want to admit it yeah but you're going to need more the next way to avoid this metabolic slowdown is and i was just touching on it before really touching on it is to systematically increase your intake of good nutritious foods Mm. aka eat more food mate Good, unprocessed yep. food. Yeah, real food. Real food. Yep. Um, that that's subtle increase through the course of someone's journey 
is going to help a lot. I've I've been guilty of this, mm-hmm. where I've fallen flat on my face eight nine weeks into into a structured twelve week program because I wasn't eating enough food, and all of a sudden I got sore. My joints got sore. I had no strength. I had nothing in the tank. I had to stop. Yeah. Now I train harder than I ever have before. I can run faster, lift heavier, but recover as Courtney will attest to. Recover like a million bucks because I'm going through. I'm eating twenty four kilos of food a week. Mm which is an awful lot of food. In fact, it's a lot more than I used to eat when I was at my most unhealthy, but my body needs it. Now, moving on to the final, the sixth secret of a successful transformation is to beware the invisible success zone. Yes. What do we mean, Courtney, by the invisible success zone? Well, the invisible success, I think, is... We really, when we're talking about wins we're getting when we don't realize that they're coming, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So when you're just going along, you're going along, you're doing the right thing and it's all w- working and it's coming, it's it, it's working for you, you just might not be able to see it yet. Yeah, so it's easy to, and it's human, it's human nature. Yes. To want to look in the mirror every day to see what's changing. Mm. And it seems like... Fucking hell, nothing is changing. It's like when we talk about the small wins, mm. focusing on the small wins because it's really hard to do that. It's really hard to compare yourself to the way you were yesterday because it takes time, it takes momentum to build up. Yeah, so invisible success really, in a nutshell, are the things that are happening that you can't see. So if you've been, you're training hard, you're getting stronger in the weights room, you're recovering better, you're sleeping better, you're feeling more energetic, yet you can't see the difference in the mirror, that's fine. Keep doing what you're doing. You're on track. You're making progress. You are making progress. You just cannot see it yet. And yeah, it is very annoying, frustrating, dissatisfying to go through this process. Guess what? It's normal. I've, I've actually gone through it just recently, as in I was saying to Courtney before we started recording, I've noticed with myself more changes in the mirror in the last seven days than I noticed the previous month. Yet, what has changed? Nothing. Nothing. My approach has been the same. Mm. Invisible success. Yet, through that month of not much changing, not once did I panic, not once did I stress out, because obviously, being being having done this for a while, I know what I'm walking into here. But that there is the invisible success zone. Now, when it comes to invisible success, as as frustrating as it is, you've got to write it out. You've got to write it out because there's really two choices you can make here, one of two choices. You write it out and see where it, where it takes you or you throw in the towel and quit and you know what the outcome is. Oh, absolutely. And I think if we're talking about writing it out and see where it takes you, I know Matt says this to me a lot, which is one of the really big ways that I can get I I've got through this uh, this issue in the past of getting really frustrated with not seeing any change is just to really focus on week to week what what good things you're doing and what things that you could potentially do better. So if those are the things you're focusing on, then you'll spend less time focusing on your appearance and exactly how you look and comparing yourself to yesterday. Yeah, well said, Courtney. On that note, I think um, I think that wraps up the six points. So if you go to www. 
theweightlosspodcast.com, you'll see the show notes page for this episode. I will put up there a, um, a link where you can actually read this article that we've been referring to during the show. Uh, I, both Courtney and I will say it's a must read. Yeah, and I don't think it's just a must read. I think it's a must multiple read. I know that <laughs> Matt and I actually reread this article every couple of months. Yeah. And I think it's really important because I think every time, personally, every time I read it, I take something new from it. So I think it's a really good one to save, to bookmark, and just to come back to. Yeah, because as you evolve, the way you process information evolves. Yep. Uh, you change along the way through your own journey and you take information differently. So even for me, years and years into it, I reread this article and I get something different out of it every time. Yep, absolutely. Or I, ta- or I get something a bit more, a bit deeper. Now, absolutely, love it. On that note, let's move on to emails. Cue the music. There it is. So, email uh, today is part two of a great email written to us by Melissa. Mel, thank you very much. Your contributions are appreciated. So, Mel says. The question I have for you guys is, how do I deal with people saying to me, oh, should you be eating that? It's nice that people are looking out for me, but if I want to eat something that's not part of the program and I'm making a deliberate and conscious decision to do it, I don't want someone making me feel guilty. It takes away the enjoyment. How did you deal with this? Courtney? Well, I have to say I'm smiling as Matt's reading this out because I hadn't actually read this question before he's just read it out. And I'm smiling because this same thing happened to me. It used to happen to me a lot. And my family used to say things like that. And again, it, was, it wasn't it was because they were being nasty. It was literally because they thought they were doing the right thing by looking out for me because they knew I was trying to achieve a particular goal. The 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 only reason that people say this generally I find is just because that they're not really educated on what you're doing and they think you're on a diet. So they think you can't have anything. So the main thing for me is all I used to be able to say is if you don't want to really get into it, if you don't want to answer this question with people that you really care to go into it with, then I would literally just answer the question with I can eat anything I want and leave it at that. Let, let them figure that out in their brains if, if you don't really want to elaborate on that. If you do want to elaborate on that, then I would, I would just merely go into the fact that you have staple foods and that you have bonus foods and you're not on a diet and so this particular decision is a bonus food. And that, and that is just the way that I would approach it. I would approach it that way in terms of my immediate family because I felt it was good to educate them on what I was doing. If I was out with a friend or something like that and they made that sort of comment and I really just did, couldn't be bothered explaining the situation to them and I didn't really care to, I would literally just answer it in terms of I can eat anything I want to, I'm not on a diet. Yeah, the funny thing is I used to get asked that question a fair bit but I got asked it more than ever once I became a PT. Yeah. That question is like, oh, you're a PT. Should you be eating that? My answer now is the same as it was back then, which Courtney just absolutely crushed it on. My answer, Mel, is this. I'm not on a diet. I can eat whatever I want. The end. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's my only contribution to this email because that's exactly how I approach it. And you'll blow their minds as you continue to change 
and they continue to really not understand how. It's very funny. Yeah, it is. So uh, on that note, we're going to call it a show. Yes. Uh, Courtney, high five. Well done. We're the best. Yes, thanks again for your two-part question, Mel, that we did in two parts. I hope that really helped. And please send through any questions or feedback that you have to podcast at theweightlosspodcast.com. Yep, well done. Okay, we're going to shoot out. Hope this has helped. We will speak to you soon. See ya. Get more free tips, listen to previous episodes, and contact Matt and Courtney at theweightlosspodcast.com.